Hello and welcome to Perfect Emotion, episode... Five. Point five? Sounds about right. Five. A? Yes. So, um... So this week we got a special episode for you because we're recording sort of over the Easter week where people are busy. So, this week's episode is really just between me and Nick. The lonely ones! Hello! (laughs) We don't have plans. (laughs) Yeah. I like to think of us as dedicated, not lonely, to be honest. That's oh yes what I meant, sorry. <laughs> the dedicated to. Ah, so anyway, so we're gonna um leave everything we said we would do last week. This week we're gonna do that in the future. So that episode just been proposed postponed by one and we've we'll talk about other things there. So this week is just gonna be things that me and Nick have played and got us together to play and we sort of liked, if that makes sense. That's a very complicated way of saying we missed it. We're missing an episode yeah. out. We're doing things that we don't think we want to talk about, but Dave and Sandy won't let us talk about because they have to give us it. Which is mainly Monster Which Hunter. Which is mainly Monster Hunter. So uh, this week we're going to start off just by talking about Monster Hunter for E? You? You. you. For you. Is it Ultimate or is it just for you? It's ultimate. Okay, okay, for ultimate, which is only ultimate in the sense that it's not the Japanese version, and that's as far as I can tell. That's the difference between four and four U. Yes, on the didn't Japan have their own four U or is it four? Oh, was there four? D- and then there was. They've got weird systems, and <laughs> I think it's to do with the localization. That... Their naming systems are almost as bad as ours. <laughs> that's what we're saying. No one knows what to understand what's going on with the naming system, but yeah, so it's a. It's the fourth Monster Hunter in the series. Uh, it's on the 3DS, which is quite good. I'm playing on the, the 3DS XL. Nick, you've got the new 3DS, don't you? New 3DS XL. I just want to add more words and words until it's a really long-named console. But it's also the only 3DS in Europe, isn't it? What? They, they, don't, they don't sell normal new 3DSs. Yeah, they do. Oh, it must be... Yeah, I, I, I could have bought one, but... I think it's America, though, where they don't sell the normal-sized 3DSs. But anyway, so enough about that. Uh, yeah, Nick, do you want to start off explaining what Monster Hunter is? Monster Hunter is a game where you hunt monsters. And using hunting those monsters, you're mainly doing it so that you can take apart those monsters, build better armor and weapons to kill more monsters. Uh, you're essentially taking an all-out war against nature itself. It's pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty much the description. I, I also would add that... Um... It's not just a war in nature. You're also fighting the good fight for fashion because some of the outfits do look really, really cool. And you'll often go, ooh, look at that armor. I need to kill a lot of those things. <laughs> it's essentially a game where you play Cruella de Vil. Well, you don't breed the monsters. You just kill them. So it's, you're not that evil. She didn't breed the Dalmatians, did she? She just wanted to, to, to kill them. And they were wonder- I know that they were her employees' pets. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, there isn't that sort of feature in Monster Hunter. Because you don't end up killing anyone's pets. You do have a cat that helps you hunt. And a pig that just runs around. And sometimes you get the cat to fight other cats. And other monsters. That's strange. Well, yeah, but the cat on cat is a bit weird. Well, like... uh, before we go into the, the strange aspects of Monster Hunter. <laughs> which there are many. Of which there are many. Like... So the basic premise of Monster Hunter is you go up and talk to this lady and she says, here are all the jobs that people want you to do, which basically means here's a list of monsters to kill. And you go, I like the sound of that conga la la la, which is a big gorilla. And you go say, right, I'm going to kill this. And then you run off and you go kill it. 
Hopefully. And you can do it with, with four friends, but I mean, it, it's pretty much identical to doing it by yourself, but the monsters are a little bit harder. Not four times as hard, but a little bit harder, and there's four of you. So it's... I believe the higher up you get, the more it's required, like, the more it's useful to have, to play it with people. Yeah, I, I believe the single player ends at one point in time, and the multiplayer just keeps on adding difficulty multipliers. Although you can play the multiplayer by yourself, if that makes sense. So the multiplayer works by you go to the hunting hall, and you can use online features and local multiplayer features there to connect with other people with other DSs, either near or far. Although you can just say, I'm going to fight these things, and then not wait for anyone to just go and fight it yourself. And I've seen a few interesting things where people talking about why they prefer to do it like that. It becomes a lot more strategic, apparently. What I enjoy about the game is the weapons. There are a silly number of weapons. It's above 10, Yeah, I think. Like 16 or something like that? Yeah, about that. And they're all made very well. Like, you may not enjoy playing one of them, but someone will, and none of them seem especially unbalanced. I think the, the charge blade, it seems a bit unbalanced, if only because of how useful it is in so many situations. So, it's got, like, a super high damage mode, a mode with a shield, and then you can upgrade that shield to be, like, the other shields in the game, which are normally better, and the point of their attack is they do little damage, but because you can block, you can constantly be doing damage, so your actual damage output is still quite high. Yeah, but you can't do lots of damage while you have the the shield up. I think this Charge Blade's good beginning weapon, really. I think it's a really good beginning and middle ground. I'm not entirely sure how it would go on later. I mean, I assume you can still use it. But... There are some bosses I've come across, and it's like, I really, really can't use this weapon because you run around too much and I'm too slow. I need something that's faster. Or there are other bosses where it's just like, well, I, I need I need something to cut your tail off, so I just physically cannot use the hammer. Because you can, you can injure the monsters. And so this is the strategic bit. So you start off, and you go fight the monster, and the monster has certain attack patterns that you never really... It's not particularly obvious. There are no warnings what's going to happen. You just learn. When the monster wags his tail like that, he's going to slash it over his head in front of him, so I need to not be there. And so you learn like his attacks and his behavior, and it doesn't feel like you're just learning patterns being thrown at you by the game. It feels as if you're, you're learning how this creature attacks and how it thinks. Because sometimes you'll, you'll always counter his strategy with one strategy, and you notice he'll always do this other thing in response to that. I think the first yeah. example of this is the Jaggy. And so the, the Jaggy will will turn sideways and move, like try and slam you with his body, and his body is quite long, so that takes a big area out. And you can either, if you dodge to the left or dodge to the right, he's probably going to hit you with that. But if you dodge backwards, you'll move out the way. And if you dodge forward past him, then you'll completely miss the attack, because you'll be on the other side of him, and he'll just jump away from you. But if you do that, the Jaggy will turn around and do the same attack again in the direction towards you. And that got me a lot when I was starting off. Yeah. Interesting point that we haven't actually mentioned. They're all boss battles. Almost every single major fight is a boss battle, and it's what you'll be concentrating you'll on. You'll often run around and kill little monsters, but they'll usually be because you're like, oh, I need some more jaggy height, so I'll just kill the little jaggies for that. There's a plethora of small monsters that will occasionally come up and hit you mid-fight just to really annoy you. Uh, I've had that happen to me a few times with the little ball ones. Oh, yeah, the conchus. The conchus are really annoying. Yeah, the countries you'd be fighting a large lava dragon like okay calm down as long as I get this hit in and then just out of nowhere someone will hit you from the side and you're like fair enough stupid conchu that's annoying when it happens but it still feels if it, it doesn't feel like the game is cheating you out of hitting you it doesn't feel like the hitboxes are absolutely no. terrible when that happens it just feels like you're hunting this big monster and you accidentally walk towards a very deadly scorpion on the ground that you didn't see 
it it actually feels like you're you're constantly doing stuff and improving and although as you progress through the game you get better weapons it doesn't really feel like oh now i've got this new weapon now i can take on something tougher it feels like now i've got this new weapon but with this weapon comes this whole heap of experience of me fighting this monster so i built this better hammer but in doing so i've killed so many things that i now know how things react to that i know exactly how far i can dodge backwards i know this new tactic i know if i see something do that you can you can dodge it in a certain way because a lot of the monsters will be in the same sort of family as other monsters so a lot of them are just dragons because it's dragons and so they have a lot of the similar attacks so you know that some dragons will just turn 180 degrees and do a huge swipe with their tail and so you can sort of see if you see a monster starting to twist you you know what's coming and, mm. and that sort of experience doesn't go. And so the new, more powerful weapons are, are really useful. But you really have to go up quite a few rungs of the ladder before you have a weapon that when you go back and fight something easier, you really just kill it so quickly. I think it's also worth pointing out that you don't have any sort of health bars to show the monster's damage. Yeah. You will notice it limping and you will notice it acting differently. And at some points, you even notice it, it'll, it'll run away occasionally when it's annoyed. I think all of this adds together, it makes it a lot more of an adventure than you'd think. Because the Nicella is a large poisonous spidery thing that me and Alan fought once. And it ran away so often, it was almost ridiculous. But finding it again was so much fun, and then trying to get the drop on it, and then it would poison you. And it was honestly... The game that most made me feel like I was actually having an adventure is this little excursion. There's almost there is a storyline, but the storyline is somebody goes, "Huh, what's this thing I've got in my hand?" That that's literally the plot of the game. We need to make a boat. Kill this monster <laughs> to make boat out of it. But oh, no. you're making the boat to find out what this crystal is because someone says, "In that direction over the water, you'll find something." It's not an adventure because the game t- is telling you it's an adventure. It's an adventure because the game goes, "Oh, go kill this dragon. Where's the dragon?" Like oh. it just says that way. <laughs> Go, go go find it. And you have to physically run around and go, here's the dragon. It does feel... Like, the game does what it says in the tin. The game is a game about hunting monsters. Yeah, I think there's some vague saving the world plot, but you really don't feel well, it and you don't care about you're it. You're saving the world from some evil monster, but that's not why you hunt the monster. You're hunting the monster because there's this big monster around. The mere fact that it can destroy the world only motivates you more to kill it, not because you save the world, but because you kill a bigger monster. It's true. And some of the monsters you do fight are are absolutely huge. So you start off fighting a sp- the great jaggy, which is like small T-Rex, large velociraptor size. Yeah, he's like about the size of the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, yeah. I, th- I think a little smaller than that. Yeah, actually, he probably like, is. Like its head is probably as big as your torso tops. Yeah. But they quickly get bigger. So one of the first big bosses you fight is the Darmohorn. Yes. Which is this absolutely giant sand dragon. And I mean giant, I mean it's He's He dwarfs the boat that you're the ship that you're riding on. <laughs> yeah. While you fight him. Like a, a relatively large building toppled onto its side. Yeah, and then it can also dig through the desert sands and like jump and so, so you'll only ever see a small bit of it at a time, but still it's really huge and you can actually climb on its back and smash off different bits of its face. And that's always funny. Oh man, we should play some more Monster Hunter, Nick. We should. We should because we, we, we just got a high rank, which is so the game the game's difficulty is not you're constantly fighting different monsters, but the game sort of goes, Okay, you've got to a certain level, let's just turn up the difficulty and you sort of start from the beginning. You keep all your gear but you start fighting the 
basic monster again, but more difficult. So they've got more health, they're more aggressive, they've got slightly new attack patterns, and you've got more interesting weapons this time around. So your weapons have status effects. Hmm. Your character doesn't gain any sort of skills or anything throughout? Like, it's not a straight experience-based RPG system? Instead, you're fighting for better armor, which gives you skills and uh, weapons. That is really why armor is such an intensive way to get There is an aspect of having the right armor for the right job. But before every mission, you also go have some food. And that food you can choose and you go, I want some defense-boosting food. Yeah, and you can upgrade your kitchen there as you play through as well with certain missions. So you are constantly progressing. Uh, It's not all just instinct and learning the monsters, although it's still a big part. And I think this game's also interesting in different ways you can play. Me and Alan have very different playing styles. I tend to take a more simpler go in and sort the problem when it happens. Uh, I don't really look at what its weak spots are until I can suss them out while looking at it and hitting it. Uh, Whereas Alan does do some precursory checks. Oh yeah, I'll do some quick research on a monster and go, okay, this is a fire dragon. Better not bring my armor this week to fire. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll I'll make sure I've got like a stack of items, but Nick will just like run it in there, just going, I'll I'll hit it and eventually it will die. Yes, there are different levels of running on and hitting it. (laughs) Because you'll run in there, you'll see it, and then you'll have to be cautious. I think once on this game, whereas if you run in and just hit it repeatedly, you will die quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it feels a lot... It's quite similar to Bloodborne in that respect, of the, most of the levelling up is you doing it, and you have to take a certain approach to playing the game. Um, mm. I hesitate to say a mature approach, because that implies that that is the correct way to play all games. But I think there are some games which are running gun, like, like Serious Sam, for instance. If you do anything other than running gun in that game, you are playing it wrong. You are playing it very, very wrong. Or like Devil May Cry. How else are you going to levitate yourself by shooting down against an enemy? Oh yeah, Monster, Monster Hunter is a, it's a really good... I, I recommend any of the incarnations, although I think for you is the most accessible I've heard. Yeah, I, I did try with 3. I played like the introduction for like a little bit of it, and I just got annoyed and stopped. Um, but there's a demo out for 4 years. So if you've got a 3DS... Check it out. Uh, I strongly recommend it. And if you enjoy it, uh, try with a few friends. And if you enjoy it, recommend getting it. You just admitted that you enjoyed it. I mean, why wouldn't you? Come on. Smarten up. Smarten up. So, Nick, do you want to... Did you say you wanted to talk about Pillars of Eternity? I've heard you've... You've got that recently, haven't you? Yes. I've been enjoying it. It is a oldie-school RPG-style game made by Obsidian, who used to make Baldur's Gate and all those types of games. If I recall correctly, I was never a really big fan of them. I tried to play Icewind Dale before, and that just confused the hell out of me. But I was quite young, and I never really role played before. Since then, I've got some role playing cred under my belt, if that's a thing that can be said with a straight face. Yeah, I know my Pathfinders from my uh, mages. Mage, mage. No, that's that's a hard one to fit. In. Very eloquent. Shut up. <laughs> Alright, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so there's some key differences to this. It's all isometric views and nice storytelling, but there's some very nice touches. And I'll start with the pretty much the basic and most useful thing is it's a system made for the game. The old, system, the old ones sort of use Dungeons and Dragons style, uh, I think like second edition. Yeah. 
rather than sort of create their own system, which I, uh, pluses and benefits for, I guess. Uh, but the, the, this system sort of works well, and it's it's a lot cleaner and easier to work out what's doing what, which is quite nice. Uh, at least compared to Baldur's Gate and uh, the other one, Icewind Dale, I tried to play. Another thing is the cutscenes are fantastic because rather than cutscenes, there's little choose-your-own-adventure stories. Yeah. Occasionally, even include like some actions you can do inside them are dictated by your character's stats. So it'll tell you you, you run over there and you come against a wall and a guy is gets clawed by one of these barbarians. What do you do? It's like if you have enough, uh, I think it's strength, you can just. Just smash him back and just like punch him out of the way and grab your friend. Whereas if you don't, you sort of throw rocks at him and or you just leave him there. If you're mean and silly, because why would you not keep a friend with you when you're going into a dungeon? Those are two very nice things. It was built on uh, a good, uh, very successful Kickstarter. There is a vague plot, but I'm not going to touch on it because those would be spoilers. But I will say that there is uh, some of the stretch... I'll mention some of the stretch goals and how they're implemented. So one of them that I really liked is the fact that early on in the game, you come across a stronghold that you gain ownership of. Meaning that you sort of have a base, a permanent base, to uh, do excursions from, and I think you can generate income later on. Okay. And this is a feature I generally just really enjoy in games. Even when poorly implemented, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why, but I did enjoy the strange problems that arose when I found it hard in Assassin's Creed to get into some sort of wealthy club thing. When I literally owned every painting shop and armor shop in Rome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it generated so much money. I was like, oh, I think it's a lot. It's like having a um, idle game built in. Hmm. Uh, which, if you don't know, they're games like the most popular ones, Cookie Clicker. So it's, it's just the joy the human mind has when it sees a number slowly rise for your amusement. Uh, so this, do- so you have a large stronghold that uh, has two sort of statistics with it. It has like its defensive capabilities and its worth. And the more worth you have, the uh, more likely uh, events will happen, both good and bad. Although the defense capabilities will make it so it's less likely for bad events to happen. So different people can appear. Um, so if you have high wealth and low defense, then you get a lot of bad events. Oh yeah, you'll get like ransacked. Okay. And then but if you have all your stuff, will get broken. Yeah, and if you have no wealth and no defense, then just nothing happens because there's nothing interesting to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of like if you don't want to bother with that and just want to play the adventure, you can probably just can. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, the second, in very interesting thing about this done about this uh, stronghold is that it is built on top of a massive, very deep dungeon oh. for the times that you don't want to deal with uh, going off and on the quest you just want to fight things 
Nice. So you go and you can just like clear levels of this dungeon and then head back up at any time uh, when you reach any of these like floor exits and entrances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of resume the story. So it sort of gives you a lot of things to do while playing the game. Yeah. yeah. So you're not constricted to uh, the sort of, oh, I only have one course of action now sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I recently finished. Like the first section, I think it's broken into chapters, and I think I've finished the first. Okay. Uh, so I haven't got a lot to say about it, apart from the fact that the first village is ugh, such an awful place. Such an awful place. Well, I'm I'm quite interested in how accessible the game is because I, I played the beginning of Baldur's Gate and I stuck it on easy, and in the tutorial bit, the game seemed to be really easy, and then I left the tutorial bit, and all of a sudden, my party was three times bigger than it ever had been before. And I was fighting people who could actually deal damage to me. And there was lots of them, and the game didn't quite... I didn't feel the game prepared me at all for what was happening. <laughs> it was very trial by fire. Well, I started the game first time, and surprisingly enough, I picked a wizard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How original, Nick. Continue, continue. I'm not, not going to mock you too much for that this week. I don't think you can... Yeah, okay. So... I was a wizard, and I was flying around, and the first person I bumped into who wanted to join my party was also a wizard. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say no, I'm just by myself. Unfortunately, that's all I had for far too long, and I tried to do a dungeon that wasn't necessarily the easiest. Yeah. Uh, And, as you can imagine, having just two wizards is just a terrible idea as a party. Yeah, yeah. Um... But I restarted again. I play, started playing as a, uh, a ranger? I want to say ranger. Yeah. Some sort of you know, Some bow and arrow. Steam. Archery guy with a pet bear. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. Not subtle, then. <laughs> uh, no, I don't need to be subtle. My bear goes in and, you know, kicks off a fast, and then I shoot all the people attacking my bear. Okay, okay. But it's sort of good because it sort of gives you a tank. Yeah, while yeah. allowing me to be uh, to shoot arrows at things, which I enjoyed. Uh, and done that playthrough, I, I, I explored a bit more, and I got a lot more people in the party. And so, if once your party's fleshed out, I was playing on easy for a while, and I'm pretty sure I'll bump it up to hard because it was a bit too easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that's the best way about it because you get acclimatized to it and you just move it up. How many but, uh, difficulty levels were there? Ooh, that's a question. It's three or four difficulty levels. There's also an option for it to be uh, to have only one save. Okay. Which yeah. I would I wouldn't recommend that at least when it came out, people were saying don't use it because there's a few bugs that just break games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's like a massive 200 hour game, so you can't expect not nothing like that to happen. Oh. But probably fixed by now. Um, but there's also a mode so that when someone dies, they die for good. Uh, Whereas if that isn't active, when they die, they get injured. And if they die when they and they get maimed or injured, I can't remember the title. And then, uh, like after the after the uh, adventure, when they're all, after the encounter, when they're all when you're injured, if you one of your people survives, they all stand up again and go, "Oh, okay, yeah, oof," and still have low health, but you can heal them up. And if they get hurt again after that, without resting in between, they die for good. 
So it's sort of a, a warning light. Yeah. That maybe you should probably rest now because your people are and dying. You have to leave a dungeon to do that. Uh, sometimes there's some specific areas you can and can't. Yeah. Uh, I've been in a situation where I couldn't rest, and I was once I got to a situation where I could rest. And I didn't know why. Like it didn't make much sense. But I wasn't going to question it. I was like raiding a castle. I'm like, if I rest now, surely they'll just beat down the door and kill me in my sleep. But yeah, I did live. And uh, the resting sort of thing is uh, you only have a certain amount of times you can rest. You can carry six camping equipment things. Okay, yeah. And that's how many times you can rest. Meaning that, you know, you can go and take on a massive castle, but it's, you can go and uh, take on a massive dungeon or go through the giant woods, but uh, at some point you'll need to get back to society and get yourself stocked up again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's an enjoyable game. Uh, I recommend it to people that up on hearing about it, think, oh, that might be interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, definitely try I've it out. I've seen a few people on Twitter do, well, basically what, what you you were asking earlier on, and they were asking people, what is the makeup of an early party? Just you so need people you, that can take damage. Wizards. Yeah, cool. they, they didn't yeah. want to double stack wizards like you did, so they're like, oh, is there a wizard early on in the game? Is there a ranger? Yeah, you just got to sort of start talking to a lot of people. I think with the RPG sort of thing like this, if you're out and about adventuring, you should probably try and talk to everyone. Yeah, yeah, that that's the general rule of thumb. I think very few games actually punish you for doing that. Mm. Interestingly, that's um, that's how you pass time in Final Fantasy Type Zero. All right. So you run out, you do your mission. The game's like, great, now it's downtime, and then you talk to people. But talking to somebody takes an hour. Uh, completing a quest takes two hours. Leaving the town takes six hours, and that's all counting down until your next mission. All right. And so I, I think I'm I'm in a bad situation now where I've I've spent every time just just doing little side quests like that. And the side quests kind of get you some um, uh, they get you items and they also get you school points, which you can use to buy things that you can't buy from normal shops. So when you're on a mission, you can also swap out your actual team members for just random people from around the school. It's a Final Fantasy game, so of course you play as teenagers saving the world. But you're now teenagers going to a school where people learn to kill people, and then you can just summon other people, like mages or whatnot. So they'll come along and help you out. But I mean, largely it's just accept these bad team members for extra points sort of system. But um, because I spend too much time socialising in the game, I'm now sincerely underleveled, and I'm having difficulty completing the side quests. So oh, wow. um, I've just got to run out and go beat up some random things that I find in the field. To level up enough so they can actually do the main quest. So that's where cow, ki- cow tipping comes from. <laughs> so the, the last major quest I did in uh, Final Fantasy Type Zero was I stormed a castle and fought it. And then one of the bad guys comes up and goes, Right, we'll defeat you with our new evil machines. Which turn out to be some sort of jet fighter slash mechanoid. Mm-hmm. So this kind of like this giant robot with a person inside was flying around the battlefield and he slaughtered everybody in my squad. So when one person dies in Type Zero, you can just summon another person to take their place. He killed every single person in my party, apart from one person. And this person was his philosophy is I don't like weapons. If you're gonna beat somebody up, you might as well do it with your fists. So I literally punched a jet fighter out of the air, which was very weird, and that gave me a new favourite character in Type Zero. <laughs> Turns out punching is a lot less effective against things that aren't jets, so um, I think all logic for Type Zero is now out the window. Yes. Um, yes. But that, that's an example yes. of a game where talking to people actually negatively impacts... Well, not doesn't negatively impact, but talking to everybody you ever see is not what you want to do all the time. 
Mm, that's is that sort of a puzzly game with people where you have to solve crimes, isn't it? Or am I thinking of something else? I think you're thinking of something else. This is Oh, in which case that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, if it was getting new pieces of information then that might make sense. Well, but if you, you learned just... more about the lore, you learned some more information about some of the side characters. Yeah, but that sort of thing doesn't seem like it should be punished. Well, it's not punished, it's just, like, you know, you've got, you've got a choice. You, you can choose to skip all the time together and just go straight into the next main game. Mm. Uh, but if you go around doing lots of little side quests, like somebody saying, oh, just give me a potion, two hours gone. And you might only have 36 hours to do the next mission, and leaving town takes six hours. And you can only have one quest at a time. So if you've got three quests to go out into the outer world, get you, like, a potion... You know, that's 18 hours gone out of 36, and you've only done three side quests. So you've got to go out and kill a load of monsters before you come back in again. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, wow. I am liking it, but I think I've, I've messed up at the beginning, so I've now got a long grind in front of me to get to the right level. No grind in a Final Fantasy game. I know, right? What we're talking about. But, um, I think me and Nick have spoken long enough about Monster Hunter, Final Fantasy now, and um, Pillars, Pillars, of Pillars of Eternity. Yeah. Well, you were back here on Pillars of Eternity. I wasn't, no. Oh, right. I, it just struck my fancy when it came out. Yeah. It happens a lot with uh, games. I kind of wish I was now. Because I remember seeing it, I thought, oh, I should back that, but then no, it did. Although, there's no difference, really. Not really. So, this is a small amount of inane dribble we've provided with you this week. Usual stream of dribble will return next week. Yeah, with more right. people. Yes. If you're really missing Dave and Sandy's voice, then you obviously don't know who the, the better two people on the podcast are, because we are here for you this week. They're not. Think about that, everybody. Just just let him be a little bit needy. He's fine. He's fine. The normal service will resume next week. I'm playing uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. Dave's watching I Know That Voice. Oh, that's a point. I should probably mention that a uh, slight change of plan with my computer deciding not to play uh, Dark Souls. I went to Sandy and groveled, explaining that I certainly couldn't play it. So I've been watching. I've uh, I'm going to watch the anime film Appleseed. Actually, I should probably make sure which version it is. Yeah, I've seen one version, and, hopefully uh, the right one. What's... And I have and I have watched Police Academy. I should have done that now, actually. Oh yeah, we should have talked about that. Uh, no, we'll, uh, we'll do it we next week. Do it next there, so we can all mock you. Uh, what was what was what was Sandy doing? Was that you giving it to Sandy? Or was that me? Oh, it sounds like. Uh, did I give something to Dave? I gave something to Dave. Because Sandy gave something to me. I think I, I gave something to Sandy. Oh yeah. yeah, I gave Sandy spooky selfie in Outer Wilds. Oh yeah. yeah. Both those games are free, so you should totally play them both. Outer Wilds, I've played it now, and oh my god, that game gave me the heebie-jeebies. I don't think it's it's not meant to be scary. There's a, it's an exploration game, and there's a couple of moments where I was like, "Yes, Alan, I was spookmeister." Yeah, yeah, spooky stuff. Too spooky for you. Well, uh, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening to this week's sort of episode. Uh, we'll, Ish. We'll return in two weeks' time with a proper, proper, proper version going on. All right. Do you want to send us out, Nick? No, stay here with me forever. You will be my queen. Bye. No, can you can you, can you just cut the vine? Just leave it to me, Jimmy. <laughs> just shouting, "You no, will be my no, queen." We're gonna have some sort of outro. That is an outro. <laughs> some sort of outro. It's fine as an outro. Oh, All right. Goodbye. Bye.